<laughs> no chips, don't let the salad win. That's the message uh, in terms of uh, nature of the food, maybe, that uh, we consume in Wales compared to the Italians. But it's the Italians who will restart. This is the Eat More Chips podcast. Grab your bag of chips, salt, vinegar, perhaps a battered sausage or a dirty pie, a bit of sauce cork on the side, and let's go! Hello, and welcome to the Eat More Chips podcast, the official podcast for one of the most recognisable flags in the Welsh football supporters' universe. In a week when Wales faces large cuts in bus services due to COVID funding being ended, we have our very own Stan Butler and Jack Harper to my Blakey. It's Jamie and Daz. Room for one more on top? <laughs> the classics are still... There will be a huge oh, no. amount of people going, ooh, and ooh. I think that happens most weeks, but uh, <laughs> I, but, but even more so this week. Yeah, that is niche referencing. How are you doing, guys? You all right? Daz, welcome back from your holes. How was Port Talbot sewage outlet and sand flats then? Oh, nicer than usual. So, uh, yeah, I've got a. I've, I've, my skin has changed colour. That's for sure. So, well, if there's that much effluence coming out of you, I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, very good. Quality time with the family. So, all very good. Did you miss us at all? Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine me listening to last week's uh, episode? Uh, sat next to the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, that was me listening. All right, to you moving, guys. On, moving, so, on, you know. moving on, moving on, moving on. Jamie. Jamie, not sure if we can get a madder week for Exum than this week. And I'm not sure how we're going to fit it all in. We'll discuss the finer points later. But how are your nerves? Why, what's happened this week? <laughs> um, this is very uneventful. Um, oh, Jesus, yeah, what a week. Uh, yeah, nerves are fine. Um, yeah, what a week. Jesus. Good to have you back, Daz. Yeah, yeah, well done. Come, well, come back to when there's a carnage. Um, yeah. It's interesting. I've been looking at the Welcome to Wrexham. They've released some of the episode titles for season two. So episode one is called Welcome Back to Wrexham. Episode two is called The Quiet Zone. Episode three is called Not Yet, not spelt with two Ts. Get that one. And episode six is called Ballers. Jamie, what, what do you think that one's all about? I, uh, you, you, you just don't know, dear. Do with these these cryptic titles, it could be uh, it could be about anything. It, you know, it, I, I, who knows? I mean, it, it's. I try not to read too much into the titles of the of the episodes, um, because you know, otherwise I'm usually off the mark anyway. Like like I am with my weekly predictions. Um, so I, I, I haven't got. I, I, I'm honestly, I haven't got a clue. Uh, I'm just looking forward to it. It'll be uh, it's only a couple of weeks now, isn't it? So uh, yeah, should be good. I suppose the good news is that at least Saturday's match will definitely make it into season three. Well, you'd hope so. Um, I think if if anything, Saturday, well, you would assume it, it confirmed that, well, more or less confirmed that there will be a series three because there were clearly documentary cameras there at the weekend. And uh, I, I would hope, if for no other reason than just to see how high the parky enthusiasm meter went at half time, uh, it'll be that, that episode will be worth a watch, but just for that alone. though he's only played for us 33 times in 18 years, few Wrexham fans can doubt the major impact Ben Foster has had on the club. 
Ben first came to Wrexham on loan from Stoke City in 2005, having been on the back of loans to Bristol City, Tiverton Town, Stafford Rangers and Kidderminster Harriers. His first game was a boring 0-0 draw at home to Doncaster Rovers on the 29th of January of that year, impressing the home crowd of 6,115 people. That first season, Ben made 17 league appearances and four Football League trophy appearances, conceding 30 goals and having six clean sheets. The most memorable of those was, of course, the FA Trophy final in 2005, when Wrexham beat Southend United 2-0 to lift the trophy. Ben made some crucial saves in that game, which made the difference and set him on the road to the top, as the game was watched by Sir Alex Ferguson and his strong display of goalkeeping craft and shot-stopping convinced Sir Alex to sign Ben for Manchester United. Jamie, Ben was a breath of fresh air uh, during a difficult time for Wrexham when he first came in. At that time, can you remember, could you see the potential in him for his performances? There were definitely flashes, weren't there? I mean, like you say, he, he, you know, a little bit like his second coming, it was it was quite short-lived, but... There, there were notable, um, you know, there, there, there was a notable uh, air of quality about him, and and the, you know, the, there can be no more said than the fact that on the back of a performance, um, you know, in front of Sir Alex Ferguson, Ferguson, that got him a move to Man United, you know, so that, you know, that tells you kind of everything you need to know about his his, his potential and his his, his credentials. Um, but yeah, he wasn't with us for long in that first spell, but yes, he, he made his mark, didn't he? And, and you could see that there was definitely a huge potential there. Well, Ben went on to play for Manchester United, Watford, Birmingham City and West Brom. In 2007, Ben also earned himself a call-up to the England squad and became a regular for the next seven years, making eight appearances, including a World Cup Finals appearance in 2014. Ben continued to play domestic football until 2022 when he announced his retirement, even though he'd been offered a contract by Newcastle United. In his career, he'd made over 500 league appearances and holds the Premier League record for the most number of saves with 1,248 ahead of David De Gea, Lucas Fabrianski, Petr Cech and Tim Howard. Daz, the Premier League since its inception in 1982 has been the jewel of English football crown and attracting the best players. How good a player was Ben Foster to be able to hold that record? Well, I mean, it's 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 quite a record. That was one I wasn't expecting and probably not the name that most people would have uh, suggested if you were going to ask them in a pub quiz who would host that, hold that record. Um, does that say a lot about the defences he was with at the time? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, that just shows uh, that at, at the top of his game, you know, he was able to achieve um, what everybody wants to do, which is, you know, play at the top flight, um, play with, with top teams. And even though, you know, he was loaned out here, you know, that the, there's a story there of, of commitment and perseverance and uh, and 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 getting and waiting for your break. So I think, you know, uh, a lot of credit goes to him um, for, you know, for that and, and the longevity of his career as well. Well, during his retirement, Ben followed his pursuits of online vlogging and social media, continuing on from when he was a player. On the 23rd of March 2023, however, he shocked the world by coming out of retirement to sign a short-term eight-game deal back with Wrexham to help with the final run-in at the end of the season. Ben came straight in to start moving Mark Howard to the bench in a 3-0 win at home to York. Ben honoured his commitment, conceding six goals and keeping three clean sheets. His performances at Barnet and, of course, that save at Notts County were vital to Wrexham winning the league title. Although they did mask the performance versus Halifax, which was not good, and that first goal versus Boreham Wood 
where Wrexham would eventually go on to clinch the league title. Jamie, eight games, some great, some not so great. How would you sum up Ben's performances and contribution to the title during those eight games? I think you've you've kind of summed it up quite well there. I think, quite rightly, most people will remember and focus on the positives from that spell. But like you say, there were there were a few question marks also in that spell. Um, there were the you know the Halifax game as you mentioned in particular, um, but there were a couple of other goals rather than necessarily specific games. But there were a couple of other goals that he conceded, which just uh, you, you looked at and you just thought, mm, you should he be doing better there? Um, but if for no other reason than for that penalty save against Notts County. Um, then, then, then you know that that contribution alone was was huge in that in that spell. Um, how, how you know how significant was it to us clinching the title and, and promotion? We'll never know, will we? But you you have to say that it was it was as important as any other significant goal scored or goal stopped throughout the season, um, if if not the most significant. By the end of the National League season, Ben had finished his contract. But there was immense pressure from fans for Ben to stay and sign for at least another year. Ben kept everyone guessing, but eventually released, he'd agreed to sign for one more year, taking the number one goalkeeper spot in the EFL in June. Although there were some doubting voices, the majority thought this was a good move from Wrexham, getting them through their first season back in the league. Ben continued to pursue his other commitments and accompanied Wrexham on their pre-season tour to the US, playing 45 minutes in each match. Ben kept one clean sheet, but conceded four goals. However, he didn't return directly with the squad, staying on with his other commitments, and only landed back in the UK four days before the first match of the season. In that first match versus MK Dons, the whole team looked leggy, but Ben didn't cover himself in glory in a 5-3 defeat. Ben made four starts this season, shipping 13 goals and coming under increasing pressure. After the 5-5 draw with Swindon Town on Saturday, Ben spoke to Phil Parkinson and discussed his intention to retire with immediate effect. By Monday morning this week, Ben released a statement, indeed announcing his retirement, his playing career coming to an end at Wrexham. Jamie, how much of a shock was this to you when you heard this on Monday morning? Massive. Uh, Massive shock. Um, I don't think anybody saw it coming. Um... You know, it it it, 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 it was there was rumours doing the rounds quite early on, wasn't there on Monday? Um, and and often with a lot of things in in football, in particular, there's there's, there's sometimes um, you know there's no smoke without fire. So um, you kind of thought there must have been or potentially was something to it, but it, it it gathered pace very quickly, and then obviously it wasn't long after that the club, you know, the club and himself uh, officially announced it. But um, I. I it, without question, it was it was a shock, um, but yeah, you know what 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 can you what can you say? Um, yeah, but I, I was going to ask you, was it that much of a shock? Because you know, as I was listening to you in uh, uh, in in the cold climate that I was in, um, the, the, the you were, you're not hunting for him, but you were pointing these these weaknesses out quite clearly, and and I think quite correctly, if I'm if I'm being honest with you, no, last no, week no. and 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 the week before, so. So, you know, is it a surprise that you know that 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 he's? Yeah, Jamie, it's your fault. He's gone. Yeah, because he obviously <laughs> listens. He listens to the pod. Heard what you had yeah. to say, and yeah. uh, you know. But I, I just, yeah. I think, I think you were on the mark, really. And and so I, I suppose 
it maybe it's surprising he actually did leave you know that he did make the leap and retire again yeah but i don't think it's necessarily a surprise so so you bang on right you know my 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 answer initially was to simon's question of was it a shock yes it was a shock because it you know four league games into the season for for a player to announce a retirement is is a shock mm. now i'm i'm when you when you then look at what he said and for me what he said in his statement kind of backs up what i've been trying to say yeah. for the last couple of weeks yeah. by his own admission he came out and he said that he hasn't achieved the levels that he expects of himself. He's questioned himself some of the goals that he's let in so far, and there's been a lot of them. Um, and he he has quite rightly assessed the situation and realized. I think he's come to a realization that he he physically c- cannot c- cannot um, cope with the rigors of professional football anymore. Now. On that basis, this is this kind of has put a full stop on what I was trying to say a couple of weeks ago about had we got caught up in the romance of of Ben Foster and you know and and kind of subliminally asking should he be in goal for us and and the reason why I was saying that is come to fruition it was because I was seeing things in his game I was seeing goals being conceded that I'm not for a second saying were a hundred percent his fault because there are other reasons other issues that I think we've got which we'll touch on later. But I think I was seeing goals being conceded by a goalkeeper that I would be expecting to save at yeah. any level, not just the level we're at, particularly yeah. an ex-Premier League and international goalkeeper. Yeah, I mean, he was talking about footwork. He was talking about yes. being down low. I mean, they're, yes. they're all the things that, you know, I'm well past 40. And God, you know, I, I, I'm amazed, you know, that anybody plays a career at the professional, you know, at the top flight. Um, yeah until they're 40 because it's got to be absolutely you know exhausting and, and bone breakingly difficult you know 100% and I but I think it was very very significant that he come out and said that because he he had obviously realized after those few games and a combination of playing again every Saturday training however I mean there was reports that he was only training a couple of times a week but obviously training however many times a week he was he, he's realized but but above all else, whatever you think about, you know, whatever I think about his performances so far this season, what anybody, whatever anybody else thinks about them, the 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 headline from what's come out of this week more than anything else is you cannot have anything but the utmost respect for him for coming out and holding his hands up because it would have been quite easy for him to just carry on, carry on and think it was going to get better. Yeah, but okay, I was going to give you an alternative though, which is and I and I'm this is where I was surprised, and you're right about the romanticised version of. Him re-signing, uh, you know, beyond beyond last year and jo- re- and and joining again for this year, there was a romanticised thing about that. But I was surprised that he was in the starting eleven straight off. I don't know because there was something about it where I thought, you know, is is there a place for him still in the team as a backup keeper? So he doesn't need to be necessarily, um, or, or you know, fully fit, you know, uh, at the top of his game as he always was, um, or. Is a is a uh, a slow aging Ben Foster still your best keeper? And I was always surprised by his his selection uh, rather than just being a reserve sub keeper. Do you know what I mean? I think sometimes you, you I mean we don't sometimes know the ins and outs of of 
what you know the agreement what agreements have been done behind the scenes i mean for all we know that you know it, it, it i'm not saying this would have been, this was the case at all but for all we know there might have been something in his contract that was saying if uh, he has to be you know he has to be the number one be just because of his background and his and his credentials i i i doubt that was the case but just hypothetically yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but I, I i i get what you're saying but i i, I think uh, yeah, in an ideal world, still having him around the club probably would have been a good thing. But I think he's looked at it, and and if I'm being honest, I think he's he he he. You know, me questioning a couple of weeks ago, have we as a club and a fan base got caught up in the romance of Ben Foster? I think possibly he's realised four games into the season that I think he got caught up in the romance of Ben Foster yeah. at the back end of last season. If he's being honest with himself, not a lot has changed between now and two months ago when the season finished. I think. He, he's just—it's just a, a, a realization that he—he—he—he he, he maybe got a little bit ahead of himself. He got a bit excited. He got caught up in the in the in the in, yeah. the, in, in the in the in the drama of the la, end of last season, thinking he could do it again. And realistically, if he if he was being truthfully honest, and I bet if you asked him truthfully now, he'd say, "Yeah, looking back now, in in cold light of day, I probably should have called it a day there, not because not because um, that was the the perfect end to the story." But because that that was probably the right time for him to call it a day physically in an ideal world, I think you'd like to keep him on and still have him involved yeah. because I mean yeah. his, his 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 influence in and around the dressing room is obvious. His his personality is infectious. His his Christ his his um his career experience. Who wouldn't want that around? Yeah, but yeah, I think I I think on top of him 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 having that realization that it's now it's not it's now his time to call it a day i think he's looked at it and just thought right i've got a growing and expanding you know uh, media uh, life now away from football and i think he's just looked at it and thought i don't want to you know i don't want a coaching role because i've, I've got plenty of other things to keep me busy and again i suppose you could you could argue and you could throw accusations around and say well should couldn't you could you have not made that decision back in the summer because all those things haven't changed and you've got your your cycling YouTube channel and, you, and, you, and he just launched the golf YouTube channel and he still does commercial stuff for other people. But look, what, whatever it, it it is, what it is. I I'm I have more I have more respect for him holding his hands up and saying, I've just I'm just not good, you know. I, and I don't mean this in the broadest sense, but basically saying I'm not good enough. It's not it's not good enough. And holding his hands up and saying, you you know, I'm I'm going to walk away and I'm going to give you the opportunity to do something else. Right, you know, and I, I I don't think you can be anything. You you can do anything other than respect that. To be to be fair. Well, Daz, back in episode seven of the pod, you were one of the voices of caution when Ben signed his one year deal. Do you think signing Ben was a mistake or just a gamble that didn't pay off? Uh, yeah. I mean, this is why I was I was just not I wasn't challenging Jamie there out of out of sort of you know because I do I do think. At the time, there was an element of the romanticised uh, view of, of of how well that went, and 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 then hearing Jamie earlier saying about the, there was a couple of games, or I think you said in the intro that there was a couple of games where he just didn't, you know, perform. So there were always the signs. Um, but but I, I'm just going to echo what Jamie said there. Having somebody like that in the dressing room must have helped them beyond his save against Nos County, beyond, beyond him on the pitch. That experience, and he's and he's vocal. Clearly, he's a very 
charismatic and uh, loud and you know vocal member of the dressing room that would have helped them when things got wobbly he would have calmed some nerves when things needed geeing up he would have you know um, given support to the captains to the to the to the vice captains the people whose voices are on the pitch and just lending all that experience but I was surprised he didn't just bow out on the high I do genuinely think he should have uh, you know taken that moment as as that glory moment because he must have known then I think he must have known then but but you know Who's, who's to say that he couldn't, couldn't have longer? If you look back to uh, the start of the season when the announcement was made about him staying for another year, do you remember we were talking about the fact that, that, that I, you know, I think I said I was surprised that he was staying because of the length of time that passed between the end of the season and when the announcement was made? But, but when that all came out, there was a suggestion that apparently he decided and informed the club at the back end of last season that he was staying. And this, this ties into what I was just saying a minute ago about I think, I think if he was being honest, he, he got caught up in the romance of it all, which is why he agreed to stay. I think if, if that time would have passed over the summer properly and he hadn't maybe already agreed to it or even signed it, I wonder whether he would have still made the same decision. Daz, where do Wrexham go from here? Danny, Danny Wood. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, let's just put it out there, okay? We don't have to sign a keeper that either has played or is from Wrexham. There are lots of other keepers out there. <laughs> and Danny Ward is Wales number one. He's not going to drop down to League Two because that would end his international career. So we can bin that right away. We also don't have to sign a keeper that's probably earning about 25 grand a week. Well, that's the other thing. I, I think I think you've, you've, you, you've nailed it there, though, that you do need to sign somebody now, though, because uh, I think Parky's already made it clear that, there are, uh, that your keeping team... Um, whether it's Howard, whether you know it, they're, they're not, they're not good enough. Uh, there's or, or at least he feels he can get somebody better. Uh, maybe that's not not to say not good enough is unfair. I think you know that that but there there are there are keepers who are willing to play in League Two who are better, and if he can find them, then then he's going to go and get them. Now I know you've just recently uh, picked up a youngster from Ireland, but that's obviously long term. That's that's. I mean, it's a loan with an option, isn't it? But yep. it's it's you know that that's that's looking ahead, which I think is brilliant that that's clear and obvious. There's some strategies, um, and if that young lad turns out to be something good, then great. But you're not going to get that this year, so there's definitely some uh, manoeuvring required on the market um, because. Because well, you, you guys are the ones who watch him week in week out, but as you know, as your first choice number one. Would you say you've got goalkeepers that are worthy of the spot at the moment? Um, I think I rate Mark Howard. Mark Howard came from Carlisle United. He was Player of the Year when he came to us. That were they were a League Two side. He's played at League Two at this level. He should be able to perform. I think the problem is he made a couple of mistakes, fundamental mistakes last season, and that started to tip the balance from the fans. And then with Foster coming in, I think it just magnified. The, the supporters' feelings of Mark Howard even more unjustifiably. I feel he is he's a very good keeper. Yeah, I suppose that's. I think that's my point. Is that how much of this is driven by 
fan grumblings and of course you know goalkeepers we know are like it's a confidence game as much as anything um and when a goalkeeper's confidence is down then they make they make bold decisions or mistakes and rash decisions and and so you need that confidence that stability and if you think you've lost the players uh, the fans first that's going to get under your under your skin and then if you think you've lost your manager and the rest of your team then, you know, how do you work your way back? And I know there are plenty of examples of goalkeepers playing in all sorts of teams and clubs that have managed to sort of have wobbly moments and then come good or, you know, players that have had uh, stable, solid careers and then one or two mistakes. And, you know, then suddenly they, they plummet in terms of performance. Um, you know, you, you never know, but but it's it's such a confidence-based and um, and it's a, it's a tricky one because you... It's also the one position where you, you find it hard to find a reserve goalkeeper, let alone the first choice, because, you know, you want backups, but nobody wants to be on the bench knowing you're not going to get that game time. But that is the practicality at the moment, Daz. I mean, uh, Foster is our number one keeper right now. Leighton is injured. And then we've got two youngsters. So we don't, strictly speaking, have a backup keeper at the moment. So we need to do something. Yeah, and I think the only way you can resolve that, and unfortunately, everybody knows now that Wrexham is looking, and everybody's, uh, and so prices may be inflated, and or uh, it might get quite close to the deadline um, before a decision is made or whatever. Because I just think it's quite, uh, you know, it's a clear and obvious situation that Wrexham have got themselves in now. So clubs will, you know, it's it's a seller's market there now. I think. Well, Jamie, let's let's turn that question around a little bit. So let's say, for let's say as an as an example, Parky does not sign a keeper before the end of the window. That puts Howard in the number one spot at least until January, till the next window opens. Do you think he's capable of sticking, you know, staying with that number one and being our number one keeper? Look, if if we don't sign another keeper before the end of the transfer window on our on our, you know, we go forward with Mark Howard, then then he'll have my full support. I'm not going to lambast, you know, I'll, I'll give my opinion, for, you know, week in, week out from watching the, the players and, and it'll be, you know, it'll be, it'll be an honest opinion. It'll be a fair opinion as I've seen it, but I'm not going to, you know, slate, slate play it as such. Um, the, the issue that I've got is, <clears throat> if you think back to last season, and as somebody quite rightly pointed out to me um, when we were discussing it, I think over, over Twitter, if you remember the the, the, the series of events, um, Howard was in goal for whatever two thirds of the season, like you say, made a couple of quite high profile mistakes, and then whether it was because Parky lost confidence in him, or whether it was because he felt he had to make a change because there was quite a big um, from the support from a lot of supporters, there was quite a big clamber for a change to be made. He brought Rob Lington in, who, to be fair did perform quite well for the couple of games he was in, but then he got injured. And that's when we brought Foster in. And obviously then Foster became number one. Now, what I think you do have to take into account there is that if if it wasn't necessarily Foster coming in because he didn't trust Mark Howard, I think if, if the injuries would have been the other way round and it would have been um, it would have been Howard out injured and, and Leighton fit, and they still brought Ben Foster in. I still think he would have been number one because it, you'd managed to bring an ex Premier League and an England international goalkeeper back to your club. So I think by by proxy, assuming he he, he could train and he could still do it, he was always going to go number one. 
However, you have to go back a stage and remember that for whatever reason, Parky did drop Mark Howard. So that does start to, you do start to ask questions. Did he lose faith in him? Now, you know, for, for, for me, the issue that we've got at the moment is, obviously now Foster's gone, without doubt Howard's going to be in goal for, for, Saturday's, for Saturday's game. He's already said that to the Daily Post, uh, Park, he's already said. They, 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 yeah, there you go then. So, I mean, that, that was always going to, going to be the case. The issue that I've got is um, we've got Mark Howard now and, and, and I, I, do I rate him as a goalkeeper? I think he's a very efficient goalkeeper. Does he, does he inspire huge amounts of confidence in me? Not massively. I see a lot of a lot of the, the a lot of the concern I had over Ben Foster's game. I see a lot of that in Mark Howard. He is he, he's not the quickest to get down. He doesn't move his feet particularly quick. He's not a massively commanding goalkeeper. His distribution can be a little bit iffy. I think most fans would probably agree with me that that those were the the, the issues that that or the concerns that, that that I'd seen in Ben Foster's game certainly this season which prompted me to, to, to raise the question initially about getting involved in the romance of it. So, so I have slight concerns over that, but he is, he, Mark Howard is probably our best option at the moment. Rob Links, and we don't know what the situation is. We're all speculating he's injured, but the club haven't confirmed that. Um, but, but we assume what we've heard is correct and he's injured. It's getting to the point. I mean, when, when he plays, he's, he, he's, he's great. You know, he's, he's a great shot stopper. His distribution is good. He's very, very vocal, which I think the, 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 the team and the defence in particular probably need. But he seems to be made of glass and, and can't stay fit. And I've never known a goalkeeper to, to, to be as injured as much as, as Rob Langton seems to get. And then outside of that, we've then got two very young goalkeepers. Now, the interesting one for me is, is uh, Luke McNicholas. The, the, so he's, he's the lad that they've got from Ireland, isn't it? We, we're told that they've got him initially on loan with, an, with a view and an option to be buying him in January for 100,000 quid. Now, that's not a small amount of money. You know, I know in the grand scale of things nowadays to Wrexham, it's, it's, it's probably not a huge amount of money, but that's not, that's not a small amount of money. And I'm, I'm curious about him in the sense of what what the thought process is behind bringing him in and i there's part of me that wonders whether there's 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 more that they 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 think there's more more um they think he can he can contribute more than possibly we're thinking he can does that make sense so his age to me is kind of irrelevant because the the goalkeeper swindon's goalkeeper last week who who we'll talk about in a minute but he was 21 years of age and he made some phenomenal saves in that game. So, so I don't think it's so much an age thing. But what I, what I don't know is his, is his quality because he's come from a league and from a team that I know nothing about, and I don't think many people will know anything about. He made some phenomenal saves, but he also let five goals in as well. So, oh, without doubt, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not questioning that. I think I'm more just I'm calling it out more from the point of view that I've seen quite a few people saying, oh, "You can't put a 23 year old in goal because he's too young or whatever." But I'm not sure I, I I agree with that. It's more about ability than anything else. But the bottom line is, for, for me and my personal opinion is, is we go with Howard on Saturday, and like I say he'll have my full support. If we have to go beyond the end of the transfer window because we've not been able to, or we or we don't, we need to bring another one in, and and we're going to carry on running with with and it's Mark Howard as our number one. Then, like I say, he'll have my support. But my personal view and opinion is, I believe we need to go out there and sign a new number one goalkeeper 
ideally before the end of the transfer window. Well, Jamie, on behalf of the pod, what are your parting words for Ben Foster? Thank you. Um, you know, I, I you know I think it's very important to to understand, and I think I, I would hope that that the, the the debate that we've been having over the last couple of weeks, and, and me mentioning um, uh, or, or or putting a question mark over Ben Foster's inclusion in our team, was not me saying that I wasn't happy with him or I I lost faith in him. It was just a an open ended question because I was seeing things that that to me weren't right and as it's turned out I, I was right but for the contribution he's made to the football club in both spells that he's been in for his involvement in getting us promoted out of that godforsaken league finally um and for if for no other reason than for that 96 minute penalty save against Notts county thank you very much Wrexham welcomed Swindon Town to the Stoke Kairos on Saturday for what was sure to be a busy match. Little did we know at the start how busy it was going to be. Parkey made two changes from Tuesday night's win versus Walsall. Ben Foster in goal, back three of O'Connell, Tozer and Boyle. Ryan Barnett and Mendy on the wings. James Jones and Elliot Lee with Andy Cannon in central midfield. And Palmer and Bickerstaff up front. Wrexham started well with an early shot by Bickerstaff, saved by the Swindon keeper. But Swindon ramped up the pressure and on 16 minutes, Hutton's cross from the left over to the far side of the box, headed into the box by Austin to an unmarked Jake Young, giving Foster no chance to save the header. Wrexham nil, Swindon won. Swindon continued the pressure, although Swindon keeper Mahoney did have to save an Ollie Palmer header to keep 1-0 up. However, on 27 minutes, Austin made it 2-0 after getting in front of O'Connell and meeting a cross from Kemp to slot in his first goal of the season. Wrexham 0, Swindon 2. The two-goal lead only lasted two minutes, with Jake Bickerstaff creating some solo magic, getting through defenders on the byline and shooting an angle past the keeper, Wrexham 1, Swindon 2. This was short-lived, as on 31 minutes, Kemp from the edge of the box shot around the defenders who all stood off him to the right of Foster to score, Wrexham 1, Swindon 3. Swindon then increased their lead further only three minutes later, Barnett giving the ball away to Blake Tracy, who found McCreechin, Tozer with the tackle, but the ricochet found Young unmarked in the box and he smacked the ball in for Wrexham 1, Swindon 4, after only 34 minutes. Wrexham did some damage limitation and got to half-time at that score. Wrexham had a mountain to climb and came out in the second half a different team. Midfield pressed more and more movement off the ball, culminating on 51 minutes when Wrexham were awarded a penalty after Palmer was judged to be wrestled to the ground from a corner. Lee stepped up and scored the penalty, Wrexham 2, Swindon 4. Four minutes later, Wrexham got their third with the goal of the game in my opinion. A beautifully worked goal from the back, Tozer to Boyle to Palmer to Jones to Lee, back to Jones in the box, who dinks it over the keeper, Wrexham 3, Swindon 4. Wrexham then took their foot off the gas, almost levelling up when Palmer missed a chance right on the front of the goal, and nearly gifted a goal back to Swindon when Tozer passed the ball back to Foster, almost scoring an own goal. However, Wrexham did let Swindon back in on 71 minutes, Kemp again in space on the edge of the area, shot this time on his left foot to score his second and Swindon's fifth. 
Wrexham now pressed, helped by substitutions Young for Cannon, O'Connor for Boyle, Waters for Bickerstaff and Dobby for Palmer, changing the formation to four at the back and diamond midfield. All looked to be decided until the second minute of stoppage time. Toza throw, headed out of the box to Mendy, who shoots, and James Jones flicks the header past Mahoney for Wrexham 4, Swindon 5. Wrexham were relentless, and it paid off in the sixth minute of added time. Handball right on the edge of the box by Khan gave Wrexham a free kick. Ford hammered it towards the goal, parried by Mahoney, and Lee pounced on it to put it in for what was the virtually the last kick of the game. Wrexham 5, Swindon 5. Swindon blow a 4-1 lead at half-time and Wrexham get away with the biggest robbery since the Brinks-Matt goal bullion heist in front of 10,258, our highest home league attendance in 16 years. Wrexham drop to 15th in the table with five points. Oh, Jamie, that was a roller coaster. What did you make of the game? <laughs> come on, Jamie. Yeah, come on. Uh, um... I didn't know whether I, I thought I was watching a live action version of FIFA. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, where I mean, like you say, you've you've done a summary there, but where do you start? I mean, you, you have to. I suppose you've got to try and break it down into into sections. Well, let's go first half. Before we do first half, let's talk about starting lineup because you mentioned it briefly, but it's worth probably just touching on because for for, for me, and I think you were probably the same. Um, there were a couple of, of sort of little surprises. I think little things like Ford. I think we probably both surprised that Ford wasn't starting because he performed well in the, in his appearances in the season so far. Not that I'm saying Barney hasn't, but I just think Ford's probably been a little bit better. Offers you a little bit more um, stability uh, and and is is as good going back as he is going forward. But that's that was a minor one. It was the midfield, wasn't it? I mean, as we were we were having a pint before the game we were talking about who we think was going to play and then obviously an hour before the team comes out and to to not see both Luke Young and Tom O'Connor's name on the team sheet blew my mind and when I saw that we had uh, James Jones and Andy Cannon as our sort of central midfield pair in the, behind Elliot Lee I, I was genuinely shocked because I think and I think the general consensus is particularly young, maybe more so than, than O'Connor, but I think the, the, the general consensus among the fan base is what else has Luke Young got to do to start? You know, it's starting to it's starting to you're starting to question now, is there something else? Is there something behind the scenes? An underlying issue, a personality clash? I, I, I don't know, but I I struggle to understand the the, 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 the you know, what the reasons were. Now now if there was something that we're not privy to then fair enough, I, you know. I, I then I do understand, but just taking it on the basis that he was on the bench, so you, you assume it's not a fitness thing. Um, I, I, for me, I, I'm, I'm I was perplexed as to why Luke Young in particular wasn't starting. Um, but yeah, that's that's just a, a, a side. But yes, like you say, first half. Um, I, I don't know about you. I I, I accept. The players are human beings, and I accept that we all have off days at work and everything else. But I would also expect, in you know, in my profession, if I wasn't uh, producing, you know, the levels that that are, that are expected, or at least, you know, what you would perceive to be the expected levels, then I would expect somebody to tell me that it's not good enough. And and I think um, the first half performance from from the team as a team 
wasn't just simply wasn't wasn't good enough. Um, you know, you can forgive one or two players having having an off day, an off half, or whatever. That's fine. I'm, you know, like I say, they're human. I'm not expecting them to be robots and be hundred percent every game, nonstop for ninety or you know hundred minutes as it seems to be these days. But collectively, as a team, every player in that first half, it just it just collectively wasn't good enough. Um, you, you know, that that was my opinion. What did you think? Even the likes of Palmer and Bickerstaff weren't good enough. You're getting a little bit caught. You're getting caught up. It's in that romance thing again. No, 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 no. They they are forwards, okay. They they yes, they can drop back, but they're not defensive players. They feed off what they what they can get from their midfield. And I think it's a little bit harsh to say that they didn't perform. You can only get you can only go, go with what you're given. If your if your service is not good enough, if you're not getting the balls in the right places that you can develop then it's very difficult to make chances. And let's be honest, the only goal in that first half was basically uh, Jake Bickerstaff doing an amazing home run on his own, going, you know, where no players were likely to go by basically barreling through three defenders along the byline. Whilst I I agree with you that the strikers on the pitch, uh, their job is to create chances and score goals, the defensive side of the game, involves all 11 players and it has to start at the front and it's one of Mulls's biggest and best attributes is his defensive uh, some of the defensive side of his game and I think they all have to take some responsibility including the forward players that that collectively I mean if you want to break it down into the individual areas you you could you know yes you probably put you probably put less blame on the forward line than, and as you work your way back through the team but I think if you watch the game back as much as I've got a lot of praise for for particularly well for, for both Ollie Palmer and Jake Bickstaff for 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 elements of their game in recent weeks I think if you watch the game back you will see times where Bickerstaff, for example, he loses the ball in areas he shouldn't be losing the ball. He's given the ball away where he shouldn't be. Same with Palmer. And and that then puts you, your team then, you know, backs against it. And and that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. I'm not I'm not saying that that, that they all were terrible. They, there were elements, there were there were, there were times where there were moments of brilliance. Bickerstaff's goal, for example, absolutely phenomenal goal. Pro- proper Mullin type goal. You know, created the chance for himself and finished it amazingly. But I, I just think collectively, as a team, and you know, you could argue the toss and say there were probably some players that were more, you know, there, there were there were there was more blame. I don't know how to use the word blame, but there, there was there was maybe more issue with some players than with others. But collectively, as a team, I don't think that first half was was good enough, um, in my opinion. Well, uh, Jamie, we'll 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 focus on that in a second. Daz, entertaining football for the neutral like yourself. But with 13 league goals against in four games, what's going wrong? How, uh, to dissect all of that, like Jamie said, it's, it's, there's a lot to it. But uh, we did pick up on the fact that uh, in a previous episode that Wrexham have relied a lot on always being able to score more goals than they concede. Um now, the problem is that that number that they're conceding has gone up again. So you're going to have to score more goals with that mentality. So it's not a healthy one to have in that sense. And and, I, and we've picked on the fact that the defence hasn't been good this season so far. So for me, um, 
Because, I, I, Jamie, I do agree with you that defence starts at the front. But if you've got players that you know aren't naturally that kind of defensive, you know, or can contribute defensive, then I do think you have to re, you have to shift and reshape your midfield and your and your and your defence to accommodate that. And I do wonder if his formations are a bit, you know, the fact that he has managed to change his formations a couple of times recently. But you know, there's something about his structure for Parky that I just I just don't know if he set the team up. I, you know, I, I, again, I'm not there to watch it live, so I don't see it. I only seen that the goal highlights really. You're 100 percent right in in the sense that um, the, the 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 issue is more the midfield and the defense that that you know because there's a bigger emphasis on that those units from a defensive perspective. Um, and and you're right. You, you I mean, you're right to call out or, or to question the formation because we are a bit of a one trick pony. I mean. You know this this three five two. Is it the right formation? Is it wrong? I, I I don't know. I think the problem at the moment is is that we've got too many players that are not that are making too many mistakes, uh, not doing the simple things. And Park even said it himself. You listen to to his interviews. He says he says it. He says it a couple of times. Part of the biggest problem at the moment is we are we are not getting the fundamental basics of football right. You know we're. You know, if you, if you want to sort of categorise it, we're, we're losing out physically. We're losing too way too many physical t- uh, physical tussles. Um, you know, the midfield always is, is always looking outnumbered to me. You know, no matter what combination of midfielders we've got, we always so far from what I've seen, and I've I've seen all the games this season, we we look outnumbered. The the, the there are times where the intensity is lacking, and that's something that we're not used to seeing from an from a Wrexham team for the for certainly for the last couple of years. You know. Yes, there will be players that 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 are intense, but you know, take some. I don't want to necessarily pick individuals out, but take someone like James Jones. I don't think his intense his intensity has been at the levels that we're used to seeing from from him. Um, you know, we're not uh, stopping crosses coming coming into the box. We're letting way too many crosses come into the box too too easily, and you can go on and on and on. And and I think this this is the problem is that the personnel at the moment are underperforming. Way underperforming the levels they've set themselves. This is this is not me saying oh they should be better. They they've proven that they're better than they're performing at the minute. And what the reasons are, I don't know. Maybe it's lack of preseason and all that jazz. But at the moment, until you start seeing these players perform closer to the levels we know they can achieve, I don't know whether this there's there's the three five two is 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 a problem or not. What would you do instead, though? Because obviously, if you've got crosses coming in, that 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 traditionally rings out as your two wide midfielders are not tracking back enough, and making up the fourth and fifth if you need them, or uh, you need to be wider and therefore you need four across the back. Um, so where 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 do you what's what's your solution to to those crosses and and that weakness at the moment? I I personally haven't got an issue with the 352 because exactly like you've just said the, 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 for, for the 352 to work from a defensive perspective you need your wide men to then become the the the, the fourth and fifth of of your backline you know and and I think at the moment that that that's not happening particularly well I think Mendy's been a little bit hot and cold I think he's been quite good offensively I don't think he's been very good defensively watch the games back and you will find he is one of the ones guilty of being tussled off the ball and giving the ball away way more than you would expect him to. And again, the same with, with Barney on the side. I think he's a huge talent and massively exciting player to watch going forward. And there's some question marks over him going back. His, his, his defense, the defensive element of the game. But 
I think that in combination with the fact that we just we don't seem to have had a central midfield pairing, and I, and I say pairing because I, I exclude Lee from it because to me Lee, he, he's he's a, he's an offensive player. He's an absolute must in the team, um, and he he does you know he, he does do the defensive side of the game. Um, but so there's that 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 holding two, if you like. Um, I don't think we've got we've we've put a combination together yet, or we've had a combination together yet this season that have done a good enough job. We 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 looked we we looked in some of the games so far like we've been we've been overrun. You know, we it looks like it's looked like men against boys in some games. I mean, both like in the MK Dons game, the first game of the season, it was like men against boys from you know, physically and and athletically. It was crazy to see. But but in the latter stages of the game, though, you've you it appeared from the highlights reel that I've only seen is that that you you that you found that energy, you found that you know it was relentless for the last ten minutes. It seemed so. Where's that energy coming from then? In, in the fight, is, is that is is the team fitter than the others, and they just got to wear them down quicker? Or well, I mean, this 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 is the the the, the question at the minute, isn't it? I mean, if you take Saturday for example, the the, the difference. The difference in the first half and the second half was night and day. Now, now what's what changed was obviously whatever Parky said to them at half time because he made no personnel changes. There wasn't a change in formation. There was just a change in various things. You know, the intensity increased. Um, you know, the, the pace in which they were moving around was 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 instantly better. Uh, the pressing was there more, and you know. There's no, there isn't a question mark over the quality of of the players we've got in our squad or the mentality or anything like that. You know, I, I at the moment I I I can't put my finger on what the problem is. I have to it, to, to me it it has to um, it, it points back to the preseason, the 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 the, the uh, you know ill prepared preseason as it's now transpiring. And I think we're we're trying to play catch up a little bit, but then you throw into that mix too many players. Making too many uncharacteristic mistakes too frequently, and we are getting punished now. At, you know, we would we, we would we would get away with it to a point in the national league, but in this league, it, step it a step up in quality. We are getting punished. Well, Jamie, as we've already said, Foster is now gone. Do you think he was fully to blame for Saturday? No, I I I think uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't even necessarily say he he was at fault directly for any of the goals and i and i i would 100% i would say that the 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 five goals conceded on saturday were very much um you know very much a, a, a failing of the team if if you, if you, if you watch them back you you will you find it's 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 individual error slash good play by the opposition in some cases but there's too many individual errors which are costing us. Now, you know, do I blame Foster? No. Do you, do you question? Uh, should he have? Could he have done better with some of them? Yes, and he's done that himself. You know, he's he said himself that that he's letting he was letting in goals that he expects to see. Yeah, but you've got to be you've got to be careful that that doesn't excuse the defence though, because now that he's taken that on his shoulders, I hope that doesn't mean that the rest of the team go, yeah, it was his fault, we'll be fine now. Oh, I I agree with you 100% because I think it it's it's crucial that the team, I'm sure Parky knows it, but I'm I'm, I'm and I'm sure he's then he's then making sure the team are aware 
But I, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I hope to God that the players, the defence and the midfielders don't look at that and say, oh, actually, it, it, he's taking responsibility. It's his fault because it's absolutely not. I'm saying, in answer to the question, I think he, he, he probably should have and could have done better. At the end of the day, he, he's a goalkeeper. He's the last line of defence and that's his job is to try and stop the ball going in the, in the goal. However, you have to go back a step and you have to question and query and look at how did those chances come to fruition? And when you break it down and when you look at them in, in isolation, you, what you find is, is you when you watch the goals back, you find the ball given away stupidly in midfield or out wide. Or, you know, take if you take, for example, right, if you take their, um, I think it was their uh, third goal that they scored in the first half. Now, you, 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 you talked about Elliot Lee before. I, like I've said a million times, I love the guy to bit. He he has got the ability and the potential to be the player of the league in this league, 100%. I'm convinced he's got that. He's that good. He can be the best player in the league. Apart from the fact that he can't take corners still. Um, <laughs> but, but, but take, take, take that out of the equation, right? But, and this is what, this is what I was, this is what I was referencing a little bit when you were querying me a minute ago on Bickstaff and Palmer. I think again, you know, I talk, I talk about that whole getting caught up in the romance of of players and and, and their overall uh, contribution. It's easy then to overlook and forget the mistakes, and even Elliot Lee makes mistakes because you go back and watch the third goal. It was the worst goal I thought we conceded. Right, he got caught in possession. Lee got caught in possession, and then that was it. Then that that started the domino effect because you watch that goal back. We stood off them. We stood off them. We stood off them, and before we knew it, it was in the back of the net. And you you know it, it's there there are there are lots of individual errors that are creating chances that we're losing when you know and it's costing us a lot of goals. But I would also say, and this and and again, I didn't the the, the highlights reel would have been like the same length of the game if if it was truly <laughs> you know um, if, if if by the sounds of things. But I, I was looking at the stats and you know they only had something like eight shots and six of them were on target. So if you've got six shots on target and five go in, clearly there's something. Oh yeah. You know, either their yeah. finishing is world class, which okay, Austin was a great player at his peak, but I can't imagine he still is. No, he's a knob. No, no. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, then and then go flip that with Wrexham's twenty-eight shots and only twelve of them were on target. So that was that's a huge amount of shots. Now I don't know if that was potluck, lots of shots from distance, lots of attempts to try and at least put the keeper under pressure. But uh, only twelve of them are on target. So that means sixteen were way you know were way off. So is there is there anything in the finishing as well? Uh, well, you 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 bang on about the the, the stats because it, interestingly the the Swindon stats with regards to shot, the number of shots they had, number of shots on target, number of goals they they scored was exactly the same as the NK Dons game. You know, relatively low amount of shots, you know, slightly less on target and a stupid amount of goals considering the amount of shots. And, you know, I think, I understand the question from the point of view of does it, high, you know, the amount of chances we're creating, does that, does that generate a question of are we scoring? You know, should we be scoring more? I think I'm trying to look at that more more as a massive positive in the sense that we are creating ridiculous amount of chances, and we score we've scored the most goals in the league. So it, it gives me optimism and, and encouragement to think that if we can just fix some of these defensive uh, little little issues and and keep the offensive element going. And we've got Mullins come back. You'd hope 
and you'd think and i i do believe we're gonna we're gonna come out of this this learning curve is what i'm what i think it is we're gonna come out of it really strongly i think if we can fix these defensive questions yeah well Daz, with that in mind we had like you say we had 49 percent possession 28 shots 12 of them on target we had five goals if we do fix these defensive problems can you see Wrexham moving up the league quite fast oh yeah i mean the the, the, the those numbers suggest that that you're always going to make the chances and and uh on the laws of probability um you're you're going to get a percentage now at the moment it's not you know what was that game not even 50 percent uh shots on target and uh, you know so you know there's there, there's an argument to be said that you know is that clinical enough is that um trying things that perhaps they shouldn't have been but that could be brave you know they could be just uh, you know there's a whole range of reasons without seeing the game you know they they could be just attempts that that caught the goalkeeper keeper off guard and it was a speculative shot you know all of those things but they're trying different things now that's got to be positive as well that they're not fully reliant on uh one route whether it's long ball they're not reliant on you know uh, crosses it's onto palmer all the time or they're not reliant and at the moment they're not reliant on mullin at all so I, I, you know, you've, you've any team that has Mullin rejoining them uh, later in the season uh, is, you know, it's, it's going to be virtually a new signing for you for the season um, in, in the mentality of what this guy is going to bring to the group. Um, of course, you're going to shoot up the table because you will score lots of goals. I just, I, I, I do think, I do think there's a lot to be said about the defence. I do think there's a lot about doing the basics, uh, being a little bit more, because the highlights, really, I, I did see a couple of them and there were moments where you just thought, Nobody knew what they were doing. Nobody knew who was picking up what man. You know, they, the communication was gone. And now, whether or not that's you, you can't rely on Tozer all the time. You can't rely on you know. I, 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 there must be some sort of combination of factors that just meant that either they're trying something new and it's not working, um, but but they're persistent with it. And I've seen managers do that before, where they're going, no, I think this is what's right. Just because we get it wrong the first time doesn't mean. It doesn't. It's not the system that's not wrong. Uh, you know, that's wrong. It's, it might just be the fact that we're not good at it yet. You know, there's all of those things, and and so you do have to trust in the coaching team, and you do have to trust in the fact that this is early days. You know, it's it's only whatever four games, five games. You know, it's 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 early to tell. Now we did say this a couple of weeks ago, though. But the, the, you know, you asked, is there going to be a problem? If, uh, and my my response was. If they don't solve the defence, and if we're having this conversation after you know five games, if we're still talking about the defence after five games, then 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 you you're not going to be the the title contenders that we all thought you were going to be, and and, and that's probably without without resolving it, and and if that does mean resorting to a little bit more. Uh, you know, parking a bus at the back or putting more bodies in there at the expense of some creativity, then I th- I, I, I do think that most league campaigns and wins uh, are usually based around the foundation of a solid defence, good keeper, solid defence, conceding few goals, um, and, and that allows you to win games more easily because you're not giving them away. Um, of course, like we said, Wrexham have been a team that have just been consistently just outscoring, um, and 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 I think you know you will still score lots of goals. That, but um, is is there a version of the, of Wrexham uh, lineup that gives you that stability at the back? Um, that's that, that's what I think it needs to happen. We desperately need a clean sheet because at yeah. the minute that the I think 
I can feel it amongst the fan base, and it must the, the players must feel it as well. It's at the moment, and I'm sure Simon will agree with me in that every every time, and I and I genuinely mean this, every time the opposition attacks us, I'm nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and, and I'm and I'm really and and cer- certainly over the last season and a half, two seasons, I, I'm not used to that because. I'm just not used to having that. I don't want to say lack of confidence because I do believe that the players we've got are really quality players. But I think, but I think what's happening in the moment it comes back to what I was saying a minute ago. Is I think because collectively, there 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 are too many um, the, the the too many mistakes and the, the the two banks of 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 areas, the midfield and the defence and, and defence and goalkeeper. If you want to categorise them together, that that they're not. That they're not working in unison, and it's just putting more. The further the the further the opposition's getting up the pitch, the more pressure it's putting on that line, and it's just and 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 it's cracking, and and hence why we're, we're hemorrhaging goals like we have been. Can you imagine what it's going to be like though if you've got Howard in goal now, and your next game's a clean sheet? That is going to be hilarious for me. <laughs> you know, and Ben Foster will be going. Well, I told you, yeah, I told well, you. You know, mm. but isn't it, what do you think? What What do you think that would do to his confidence as a goalkeeper, Howard? If 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 he does have that clean sheet and going, I'm back. Thank you very much. And you know, that's going to be huge. That could be amazing. But it could equally, you know. I think I think it, the confidence that it would that it would give um, the, the 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 team. Would be would be huge, um, you know. Look, if he if he keeps a clean sheet uh, on Saturday, um, happy days. Uh, you know whether you know. I don't think that'll necessarily change any opinion. You know, if if we had Parky on the call now and we were at, and he was being honest and he was able to tell us whether you know he, only he knows, doesn't he? Whether he he's got whether he's got the faith in the goalkeepers he's got now to to carry on beyond this transfer window, or whether his intention is and he's given the the, the instruction to the powers that they look. We need to bring in a goalkeeper. Um, you know, only only he knows. But if if Howard goes and gets a clean sheet, but I think that the the the, the it's probably going to do more of a boost. It'll be more of a confidence boost to the defence and the midfield to get a clean sheet because at the minute, all of those areas, all of the players have contributed to us conceding as many goals as we've conceded. So, yeah, so it's 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 got to be sorted. But I think we 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 have to um, you know, I don't think we've been. I don't think we've been negative towards what happened on Saturday. I think we've been we've given an honest assessment and, and obviously opinions, which is what we're here to do. But I think it is important to probably look at the positive elements of Saturday as well. And I think that the, the, the significant positives for me were um, the fans. You know, I think there's a lot of, there's been a lot of criticism. Uh, there's a lot there's often a lot of criticism to Wrexham fans about, you know, where were you when you were beep. And uh, and all that jazz, but I thought that I thought the the atmosphere on Saturday and the crowd were were brilliant. They 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 got behind the team. Now I know there were some boos. There was a little bit of booing at the end of the first half, which I never like to hear. But but I think, in fairness, my interpretation of those boos was I don't think it was a it was the it was a boo your rubbish kind of boo. I think it was a boo as in, Wrexham, that's not good enough. I think it. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It, it was more. It, I took it as more of a. It was more of a um, constructive criticism type of boo. That sounds really <laughs> ridiculous, but but I my my mind. I've been at Wrexham games in the past where I've heard stupidly people booing because we've gone in one nil down at half time, 
and and they'd boo him because they're idiots and they and they don't understand. It didn't feel like that on Saturday. It felt like a listen. We know you're better than that kind of boo. And that sounds really stupid, but I, I know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I think, but I think you're right. And 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 then that to me, the biggest positive is that you're going down a four-one down into half time, and the fact that you came out and and put you know and was able to change the game. That's got to be a positive. So that you know, yeah, the, exactly. The, the fact the fact that there's no situation that you as a team uh, cannot. Uh, get yourself out of you know in theory that's the mentality you have to have is that no game is over and that's and that's a really good useful lesson to have at this stage I think obviously any management team would rather they just didn't put themselves that far behind in the first place um, I I, th- I think my one worry which was similar to one that a few weeks ago which is when you were forward down you know you begin um, you know, you start getting back into a game, and then you can see it again. You know, you've got to, it's it's those moments where there's like you know progress is made, and then a slip up, and then you've got to work just as you know harder again. I, I just I just think there's moments where you just need to cut those you know cut those out of the games, and you you bang on because it was exactly the same against MK Dons. You know, you know we 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 were, instead of going you know we we were four one down, and instead of it being four two four three four four. And genuinely, when it was when it was at four three on Saturday, I I honestly thought we were going to go on, go on and win the game because of the way that the, the second half was going. But then, like you say, conceding that goal, it 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 almost takes the wind out of the sails. But then spinning it back to the compliment side of it, you have to tip your hat off to the fans didn't give up and they got behind. You know, they carried on getting behind the team, or the vast majority of them did. I'm about to say, the apart from those ones that left at half time, that left, yeah, thinking, "Oh, well, it's four-one, wow. I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, terrible, yeah, terrible." Yeah. Um, but the, the but the players to 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 you know, it just shows that like what you're saying, that never die mentality, and and you, it's admirable. I love it. It's brilliant. But we, you can't let that become the norm because. You can't expect to always have these ridiculous games, comeback games, as, as phenomenal as it is. As as a fan, it's yeah, it's bloody nerve wracking and it's 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 uh, it's stressful as hell when you're in it. But as a fan, and if, particularly if you watch a game on the TV as a neutral, or whatever, there's nothing better than seeing like a team rallying back and scoring late goals and that that euphoria at the end. But you 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 can't you can't play the game like that. Almost like the script of a television drama, really, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Jesus but, Christ, yeah. But you don't want to give opponents either the the chance at the top of a game to go wreck some leak goals. So we've got a chance of winning this game because we've always got a chance of scoring because they leak. And you've got to shore up. And then once that shows up, then that that gives you sense of you know the fear, especially at your home ground, that that actually now they've got a mountain to climb, and they've got to know they're going to know that there's goals coming at them as well. You know, you've got to get that twist, you know, that that way, that, the right way around. Hundred percent. The stupid thing about all this is, is a few weeks ago we were talking about worried about the the attacking element and with moles out, and are we going to score enough goals and everything else? I never, I never for a second thought we'd be having a conversation about. Defensive concerns because if you look at the the the, the, the defense we've got and you look at the midfield the squad we've got and the squad we've got generally and you think to yourself how are we having a conversation about conceding as many goals as we've scored in in four games it, it, it's crazy but there we are um, you know I, I I don't believe it's I don't believe there's an issue with a lack of quality I I I I'm confident it, it will come together how long that's going to take I don't know. But hopefully sooner rather than later, because 
Yeah, I, I, I can't have, I said it last week, I can't have this world score one more than you attitude, but Christ, I can't have games like Saturday. If I'm watching games like that week in, week out, I am going to be in a box. Well, predictions this week, Daz and I both called for the draw. Yay, go us. Cheats. No, I think my words were a cagey draw. I mean, I couldn't have been <laughs> further away. <laughs> so, you know, I'll take I'll take the point for the table, but oh, I don't think I really deserved it. <laughs> well, yeah, we get a point each, so that leaves Daz at the top of the league with three points me in second with two points and jamie the pundit in air quotes third with just one point it's a marathon not a sprint kid <laughs> <laughs> Now on Eat More Chips Pod, it's time for today's newspaper, tomorrow's chip paper, where we look at the news this week around Wales and Wrexham AFC football. First up, Wrexham Reserves lost 5-1 versus Barrow Reserves at Barrow in the Central League this week. Barrow fielding a very strong side, playing some usual first-team players, including ex-Wales international James Chester, Elliot Newby and Kean Spence. Wrexham in return played a very young side and the difference in experience came through. Liam McAlinden did get a full match and Bryce Hosanna played a half and young pros Aaron James, Dan Davis and Owen Cushion all had a good run out. Wrexham's only goal was scored by Callum Edwards. This follows on from the Wrexham youth who earned their first win of the season in a hard-fought 3-1 victory over Lincoln City in the first group stage of the EFL Youth Alliance Cup brackets northern section at Colliers Park. Wrexham have started the season with a loss to Carlisle and a draw versus Accrington Stanley. Wrexham took the lead on 31 minutes, Harry Ashfield capitalising on a good interplay between Rainbird and Jake Roberts to fire a rising shot into the roof of the net from 15 yards out. Lincoln levelled the game on 79 minutes, Denny Oliver's through pass finding Adamson, who shot low past Pilkington. As Lincoln pushed forward in search of a winner, however, a fine tackle from diminutive substitute Tom Kelly enabled Ashfield to find Rainbird out wide to the left, the winger racing into the box to rifle home into the far corner of the net. Deep into injury time, Alex Moore played in Edwards, who crowned a fine individual display and a superb finish to add a third goal. Jamie, some varying results here. Wrexham Reserves being outclassed and Wrexham Youth struggling. We don't hear much about these development sides. Do you think there should be more attention paid to these squads? Um, no, I, I don't think so. Um, and the reason I say that is, is that, certainly from a Wrexham perspective, there's so much um, so much focus and spotlight on, on anything Wrexham do. I think the last thing you want to do is start putting pressure, for want of a better word, on you know youth and development and reserve teams. You know because I think you know th- th- those uh, those segments are, are crucial for, for for the future. You know I think from a youth perspective, you need to give. The players that the, the the space and the time to, to nurture and to grow and to learn, and then the same with the reserves. You know, the last thing you want to do is is uh, you know I, I, hypothetically, if you if you had a um, if you had a, a a player that was out of contract from a higher club or something, you were saying, listen, come and train with us for a week, or come and have a have a game in our reserve game. You know, if you've got everybody all over it, then you lose that ability to. To, to, to try things I think yeah I agree I think I, I think you're right those that pressure is ridiculous uh, already on the first team but I, I I agree with you that I think the reserves thing is about about fitness is about trying to develop and 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 the focus needs to be on those things you're absolutely spot on I think 
Wales Under-17 started their involvement in the Serenka Cup on Sunday. Based in Poland, they took on the hosts, but they were heavily beaten in a fairly comfortable fashion, 7-2. Goals for Wales were Elliot Miles from the spot after Adam Brett was brought down in the box on 26 minutes and a super strike from 20 yards out by Cruz Allen on 46 minutes. However, Poland were always in control, led 4-2 at half-time and scored three more in the second half. Wales played their second game on Tuesday versus Romania and lost 2-0 with goals for Romania scored in the 27th and 64th minute. Wales' final game versus Georgia on Thursday was a bit of a wooden spoon avoiding game but did result in a 4-2 win for Wales. Elliot Miles scoring again Wales' first goal on 40 minutes after Georgia had taken the lead for a one-all half-time draw. Wales scored a second before Georgia again equalised for 2-2. Wales, though, did manage to turn up the heat, Oliver Bostock on 69 minutes and Cruz Allen with a penalty on 86 minutes to win the match. Wales finished third in the table with three points and Wales under-17s will now move on to their UEFA Championship qualifiers in the autumn. Daz, I watched the game versus Poland and we were second best by a country mile. This continues Wales' under-17 poor run of results, bar the UEFA Championship last game. Should we be concerned that our under-17s seem to be struggling? Tricky one, that, because uh, uh, mixed emotions. I was thinking, right, well, they're out in Poland, which means, you know, home advantage, away advantage, or, you know, disadvantage, all of those things. I, but but um, they were a team that we beat 3-0 early in the year just yeah. to get to the Euros before. So, yeah, in the Euros, the last yeah. game of the Euros. So, you know, now, they whether or not... I always I always find it difficult. I get torn with the under underage groups um, because, of course, the turnover of players by default by age means you have to keep evolving the squad. the The consistency sometimes isn't there, and so it's really hard to follow a trend, a pattern. You know, unless there's a wonder kid at 15, 14, 15 playing up a few years, you might see that player stay in the team for a lot longer than they should normally. But it's a really difficult thing to see. Um, I, I I don't think we should worry about it too much. I think overseas experience is huge. I think it's always it's always good to get these these opportunities. This is an invitation trophy as well. Um, you know, trophy that, that that other countries such as England have won in the past. So the fact that we get an invite, I think, has has demonstrated that they the respect and the rating that they have for the Welsh team, which is a compliment. Um, and I think, you know, the way that the game played out against Georgia um, was was merit to the team after two defeats. You know, OK, the first one was 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 horrible. Second one, not so much, you know, that, that was, but uh, you know, the game against Georgia, you know, and, and um, uh, I watched a little bit. Well, I said watched a bit. Where did you watch it? Because I've been uh, I must admit, trying to follow the under 17s during these tournaments is quite difficult. It's very, very t- tricky, isn't it? Yeah. And and like you know, I, I I watched Jack Jones's second goal against Georgia, which was a lovely curling shot, top right corner, which which I think was somebody's, I think it was a parent on a phone in the crowd, uh, <laughs> sharing it on Twitter, um, and the couple of the penalties that they had in that game as well that you know were on the, the Twitter. But I, it's really hard to follow. And, it is. And, and my other criticism, if I'm going to have a go at the FAW on this as well, is that their website is not up to date. So they've, no. they've got the results for the Romania and the Georgia games, which are the second and third, but there's no result for the Poland game. So somebody somewhere is not backing the team up 
And and I'm not saying it has to have a full match report. I, I, I was on holiday, so I wasn't going to necessarily watch the games, but I'm sure some parents who can't travel to Poland or some friends who are at school or, you know, teammates back at home who aren't internationals who are, you know, in their club sides, you know, there are plenty of people who would probably want to watch it. And it was really, really difficult to follow. So I think for me, if we're going to support and develop the game, then it, it, I think there's an argument that could be done better across the board, not just supporting them in terms of results. Well, to answer your question, the Polish FA streamed all their games live. Funnily enough, I saw more of the results come through the F, uh, the Polish FA website. The, the, and so I that doesn't surprise me. They've got a pretty good website. Two names uh, stood out, though, for Wales. Elliot Miles from Norwich City and Cruz Allen from Derby County. Cruz Allen's uh, second goal versus Poland was an absolute beauty, if you get a chance to see it, Daz. Two names to watch out for, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think anybody who achieves, you know, who's, you know, who's performing at international level in a tournament like this and is able to demonstrate what they're capable of uh, against top quality, uh, we've got to follow them. We've got to keep an eye on them. I mean, I know there's a, a couple of good sort of uh, sort of. Um, you know, websites and uh, Twitter feeds and and Facebook groups that do a lot of following of the youngsters, and I'm beginning to find my way around that 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 corner of the internet, and it's really good. There's a lot of supportive fans who are going right. This lad, we think he qualifies for Wales. We should keep an eye out for them. Um, you know, so um, it's it's interesting. Anybody who's got a surname Williams, Hughes, Davis, uh, Jones, is <laughs> immediately there's an investigation of whether or not they were born uh, in Chester or in uh, because of their their, their qualification and their status for eligibility is, is fascinating so i'm beginning to see a bit more of that that side of the, the the following is if they're if they're performing on that stage then i think we should keep an eye out for them and as they progress through their career the welsh men's domestic league started this week and some of the teams are absolutely knocking it out of the park aren't they does yeah you can always uh, expect uh, the new saints to do well uh uh, can everyone have performed particularly well? But I, I wanted to just give a particular shout out to uh, Colwyn Bay. Actually, the uh, uh, it's nice to have Barry and Colwyn Bay back in the top flight. The two sort of big heavyweight clubs, really, in terms of Barry's prestige in 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 this division historically. But also Colwyn Bay, having been exiled for so long, uh, they've been a great addition to the new season uh, with attendances already. I mean, the first game of the season against Carnarvon, which I know it doesn't sound a lot in the grand scheme of things, but Nearly 1,500 uh, attended that. No, that's which, impressive. You know, that's huge yeah. at, the, at that level. Canaravon uh, always have uh, you know the top average every year anyway, so they were always going to be bringing a great crowd. They always do. But Colwyn, such a historic club and with such good following. Uh, and yes, okay, uh, it was a baptism of fire against Canaravon on that first game. They they they, they heavy defeat, but uh, a a uh, but a, a, a brilliant brilliant goal from uh, Tom Creamer uh, against. Oh Barry. yeah, I watched that on on Scott. It was superb, absolutely superb. So I think there's a lot to be, uh, a lot yet to come from Colin Bay, but particularly from your man Steve Evans, because obviously with his Wrexham pedigree as well, um, you know, I, I thought you know the, the, what what he's managed to do in terms of you know. Uh, bring them up to this division and, and already get off to a good start. Uh, regrettably, uh, my uh, my own beloved Aberystwyth are not doing so well, but I'm putting that down to playing two top, two, you know, tough teams in their first two games. So come on Aberystwyth against Newtown in the Mid-Wales Derby this weekend. Uh, uh, I'm counting on, a, on an Aberystwyth win against the, uh, the old enemy there in Newtown. Wrexham AFC women's squad are building up to the start of the Adran Premier season with a one-all friendly draw versus Kidderminster Harriers women. 
As previously announced, 10 of last year's squad have been handed semi-pro contracts for the season, while new signings Hannah Kiriakopoulos and Karen Allen have also been added to the ranks for 2023-2024. Gemma Owen has been appointed Head of Women's Football Operations as part of the changes to the Wrexham AFC Women's setup, and Steve Dale offered the role of full-time Wrexham AFC Women's Head Coach. As we mentioned a few weeks ago, Kim Dutton, Mia Roberts and Ella Clifton-Stringer have left the club. As well as this, Megan Buckley and Sophie Hodgson have also left. Sophie has dropped back into the General Adran North to play for Koniski Nomads. Ticket news for Wrexham's first game of the season versus Swansea City will be announced shortly on the club's official channels. Jamie, the Adran season is getting closer. Great news on Gemma becoming head of women's operations and Steve finally getting that first team coach role full-time. Yeah, delighted for both of them. Um, obviously, we've, we've had Gemma here and um i think it's it's been well publicized isn't it in particular how 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 um, vital a role she's played in in the growth of the women's game at Wrexham so far um and i, I think her contribution is 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 you know um she gets a lot of plaudits and and quite rightly so and the same with Steve Dale you know it's nice to to, to see um, them both Get, getting you know um, not only sort of recognition, but I think more more so being being uh, entrusted and empowered to, to to carry on progressing not only their own personal careers but but what they've achieved um, you know on the women's side of the game. As we'll focus on the league in a few weeks' time, but their preseason so far has been okay with one win, three draws, and one loss. Is this an indicator of how they're? going to do in the league itself do you think or the pre-season results really don't mean anything I, I'm not yeah I'm not one to necessarily read into the pre-season games that much and I think the opposition that they're choosing as well is is quite interesting um, it, you know it's it's a difficult thing to compare like for like um, that we've talked about the, the strength of the uh, of the Adran uh, the Janeiro Adran leagues you know it's 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 very difficult to make it comparable. Uh, I don't know how many of those teams that they've just had friendlies against were also either pro, semi-pro, um, you know. So it, it's it's when you're trying to compare like for like, um, what is it that you're comparing? And I, but but the fact that they've had some strong results, you know, favourable results at least, um, must give them some confidence. Um, but I think the the real tests will obviously begin when they start playing uh, in, in 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 when the when the league kicks off. Proving to be a little bit more important than first thought after what happened at the beginning of the week, Wrexham signed another new goalkeeper on Friday with 18-year-old Liam Hall from Bradford Park Avenue. Liam played in the Under-19s Alliance League alongside other Bradford Park Avenue Academy graduates and last season the Alliance team took it all the way to the final day of the season but were just pipped into finishing the season in third place, four points behind Wrexham Under-19 side who finished as champions. Liam had his first taste of first-team football in the 2021-22 season, playing against Campion AFC in the County Cup. In the 21-22 season, Liam gained his first experience in the National League North when he came on during the final day of the season match, seeing the last 15 minutes of action against Southport. In December 2022, Hall signed his first professional contract with Bradford Park Avenue, an 18-month deal. More recently, Liam has appeared in Avenue's 23-24 pre-season campaign, playing against Thackley in a 3-1 win and versus Chorley in a 1-0 win. Liam has signed until the end of the 23-24 season with an option of an extension and joins fellow new signing Luke McNicholas in bolstering the goalkeeping department at Wrexham AFC. On signing for the club, Liam said, I'm feeling over the moon. 
To get the deal done is a pleasure, and it's such a big club to be part of. To learn from the goalkeepers here and from the outfield players too is only going to make me better. Daz, this is taking a little bit of a difference of importance, but Liam is 18. Seems like a good buy at that age. Um, I don't... Uh, I mean... You, you know you've got longevity there, I suppose. That's, that's the positive you've got to think. You know you've got an opportunity to mould and, and shape and, and develop. Um, but uh, early days, I, I, I don't know how we can measure that. But, um, you know, it's pos- if, they, if they think so, I think, you know, you have to trust in their judgment and the coaching and, and the, 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 the what's to follow is, is only going to be favourable. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, good luck to him. Jamie, with Ben Foster leaving... Do you think we'll see him, or is he just too inexperienced? Christ, I think with the way things are going, I think I've got a chance of playing in goal. Um, <laughs> I, I, you, you, you don't know, do you? And it's a little bit like I was saying before about the whole Luke McNicholas thing. You know, we, 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 we're, we're assuming that both uh, both of these young keepers have been brought in with an eye on the future, and that is probably the case. But we don't know that for sure. Um Will will we see him? I, I think that will depend on uh, probably a couple of things. It one, it'll depend on what the situate what the real situation is with Leighton if he is injured, uh, and 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 the other thing will be with whether we bring another goalkeeper in before the end of the transfer window. Window, um, if if Leighton is injured and we don't bring another goalkeeper in, then it's 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 possible we we will see it, see him even if only on the bench. Um, but like, like exactly like Daz has just said, both both of the young goalkeepers that we've signed recently. The bottom line is, I don't think any any of us really know anything about them other than maybe a couple of clips we've seen online. Um, and I think, like Daz says, we have to trust. You know, the, these players are. Um, you know, it, this is not you ringing them up and saying, "Listen, I've just seen these lads on Football Manager get them signed." You know, they they, they will have done their, their 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 due diligence. They will have been recommended these players by people in the know, and they will have done their homework and brought them in for a reason. So we have to trust that the the, the process in in, in and, and, and you know trust in it and, and see where it goes. <laughs> The fryer is on and the week old fat is heating up nicely. Time to open the chip shop for another week. And the two Dorises, Daz and Jamie, are ready to serve. First into the fryer this week, it's Barrow AFC. Barrow Association Football Club were founded in 1901, initially playing in the Lancashire Combination League before joining the Football League in 1921. They stayed in the third tier until 1957, where they dropped into the fourth tier. After a brief resurgence, they dropped out of the Football League altogether in the early 70s. Over the 80s and the 90s, and right up to 2020, Barrow stayed non-league and managed to get back into the league thanks to the curtailed Covid season that saw them go up as champions on a points-per-game basis. Amongst other highlights are two FA Trophy wins in 1990-2010 and League 2 champions in 1967. Last season, Barrow came ninth in League 2 with 18 wins, 8 draws, 20 losses, a goal difference of minus 6 and 62 points. Managed by Pete Wilde since May 2022, in the summer, Barrow have signed midfielder David Worrell from Port Vale on a free transfer, striker Courtney Duffus from Morecambe, 
Midfielder Kean Spence from Halifax Town, striker Jamie Proctor from Port Vale, midfielder Dean Campbell from Aberdeen, defender Mazid Agungbo from Arsenal, striker Emile Aqua from Maidenhead United, and just this week, striker Sam Bellis from Southampton. Out goes defender Patrick Bruff to Northampton Town, and striker Josh Gordon to Burton Albion. Wrexham have played Barrow AFC 73 times, with 29 wins, 25 draws and 19 losses. The last meeting was in 2019, resulting in a 2-1 win at home, Luke Young playing in midfield. Barrow have started their season with a 2-1 win away at Tranmere, a 1-0 loss to Bolton in the Carabao Cup, a 2-1 home win versus Sutton United, a 1-0 draw away to Accrington Stanley and a 1-0 loss away to Stockport. They are currently in 6th in the league with 7 points, they're 50-1 to win the league outright, 8-1 to get promoted and 14-1 to get relegated. And the chips are done. Jamie, I'll start with you. We're shipping goals that there's no tomorrow. How do we stop this on Saturday? Uh, two goalkeepers. <laughs> um, we haven't got two goalkeepers. That's the problem. <laughs> okay, it's, all right. Some of those big foam hands. <laughs> um, how do we stop it? Oh Christ! If if I if I knew that, then I wouldn't be talking to you, pair. I'd be uh, preparing for this week's game at a professional football club. Put yourself as manager. What would you do? <laughs> um, what what would I do? Uh, pray. Um, what what can you do other than other than what I'm sure that the, the the coaching staff have been doing from the start of the season, which is you are trying to instill, uh, you're trying to instill a a certain level of performance. You're trying to instill a, a you know a a formation that you believe is the right one. You're trying to get players to you know to 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 produce to the best of their ability i don't see that changing what i hope to see on saturday is is given that that they've had a you know obviously the the events of last weekend were crazy obviously what's happened with foster but the one big thing this week and it's first time this season they've had a full week in between games so what i'm hoping for on saturday more than anything else is to just see an improvement in um, in, in the basics that we were talking about before, so hopefully we'll see, you know, closing better closing down. We'll see more 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 physical duels won. We'll see, uh, you know, more crisp, clean, efficient passing. We'll see better defending. Um, you, know, you know, these are the things I'm I'm hoping to see on Saturday. But what what would what what's been done differently? I would I would imagine probably not not a lot because you know I, I think. We shouldn't be pressing the panic buttons so far. You know, we're we're still very very early into the season, and I think it's just we just got to you know I would hope they're just going to keep working on what they believe is 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 you know the right formations and the right setup to to, to try and get back to more like you know what 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 we were producing last season. Daz Barrow have not pulled up any trees, but they have been steady and sensible. With the signing of Agumbo from Arsenal and 20-year-old ex-Southampton striker Sam Bellis, are they a team to be very wary of right now? Uh, I'm always uh, dubious of... Just because they showed I think, promise. I think we should be wary of a team of nuns at the minute. <laughs> I think I think I think we you have to be wary of of players who have come from big clubs down to another you know I 
there's a reason why they might have been spotted as a youngster and then they've been released and stuff. So they pr- probably had the potential, which means, you know, they're going to be decent. Whether or not we should fear the names of Arsenal and, and, and Southampton and things like that, um, I, I, th- I think if they're playing for Barrow, there must be a reason. You know, you know whether or not they they've aged or whether they've uh, they're just not what those clubs originally thought they were going to be. Um, no, I I, I think uh, Wrexham should just be absolutely confident that they can go into you know a game against it. Yeah, you're right. They've have performed. They 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 seem to be getting the decent solid results. Whether it's the draws or you know they they've only what one defeat this year so far. So um, you know they they've been solid. And I think that's that's the lesson that Jamie, you know, is that's the lesson that the, t- that the team need to do, as Jamie's alluded to. So I I think uh, it's it'll be interesting because it is away, um, you know, so you haven't got that home crowd advantage, and so trying to get the fifth goal won't be, you know, quite as uh, in the, <laughs> in the same. Um, but but I, I think I think you know they have got all the potential, as we've been saying, you know, all, all, all this time now today is, you know. Wrexham have all the components. They've just got to put them together in the right order, and 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 they 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 should be fine. They should be fine. Daz, one thing I've noticed doing this week in week out is a lot of the teams around Wrexham in the same league of Wrexham are making a lot of signings, where Parkey has not made hardly any. Is is that going to be a problem moving forward as we get towards the end of the transfer window? Well, I think it was. It's it's, it's definitely a surprise. I I, I suppose. Uh, it keep, it, but then any any transfer any transfer you'll never know the value of that transfer until it pays off you know you know it's 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 quite blatantly obvious isn't it you you you, you buy a new player they might be really good they might be the difference that a club needs they might not be you know they might not fit in they might be homesick they might not like the rest of their team they might not like the manager's tactics in the end the results go against them fans turn against them and then before you know it they don't like being you know anything can happen with new signings so it's a really tricky thing to recognize that just because they've bought new doesn't mean they've bought better you know and improved i think they believe they have always i, I you, you wouldn't buy a player unless you thought they improved but it's really difficult until until those players uh, you know, let's let's get a few more games into the league and see how that's that pans out. But yeah, uh, sort of a, a long-winded way of saying, you know, agreeing with you is that there are a lot of teams in this league though who are achieving better than perhaps we thought they would have been doing, and the ones that we thought might have been doing better uh, are not achieving as well as you know initially. Now, whether or not that's because of transfers and Ill, uh, and injuries, um, and when it all settles down and the marathon uh, is over, you know, hopefully the 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 strength of the squad and the tactics and the and the management you know, that will show through at the end and the right teams are at the top. But um, at the moment, yeah, it's quite a shake-up and uh, it's making for quite an interesting watch. Jamie, post-Saturday's 5-5 crazy game and away from home, do you expect Wrexham to be more solid and steady the ship? I bloody hope so. Um, Yes, Christ, we can't be any more shaky if we concede any more goals then there's there's a serious problem. Um, yeah, I I do. Like I said, I think I think it's going to be really significant the fact they've had a full week uh, in between games. I think I would have loved to have been uh, a fly on the wall for that sort of first meeting, whether it was Monday morning or Tuesday morning, that sort of debrief after the game on Saturday. Because I don't mean that from the point of view that I was, you know, that I would expect that there to have been things flown around and you know 
the air turned blue. I, I, I think it would have been quite an interesting, honest, open conversation amongst the squad, and, and it'd be interesting. So yes, I do, I do think, um, I do think, I do hope, and I do think that we will see a, an improvement, um, a defensive improvement. I think it's important to to caveat that with defensive improvement because, you know. I think even without Moles, you you can't be critical really of the the offensive side of our game because we've scored as many goals as we have. So time for the salt, vinegar, and sauce. Koch, Jamie, what's your prediction for Barrow versus Wrexham? Oh, here we bloody go! Um, can you ask me on Sunday? Um, nope. I'm going to say a two-one Wrexham win. My head is telling me to go for a draw. <laughs> I've done this. I've got the same thing. I've written the exact same thing. I've got two one Wrexham, but I'm about. To, I'm. I'm thinking of changing it to a draw. But I'll wait until you give me your reasoning first. I. I. I'm. I'm saying a two one draw. A two one two one draw. <laughs> I'm saying a two one win because um, I, I expect to see. Like I say, I expect to see a a significant improvement in the defensive element of the game from the team. Um, I, I I would be lying if I said I was confident of us keeping a clean sheet at the moment because I, I'm just not I'm just not so so I'm going to give Barrow a little bit of credit and say that I think they'll score, but I I think we'll, we 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 will score more and and I'm going to go for a, for a two one. Daz, what's your score prediction for Barrow versus Wrexham? Oh, you see, that's really annoying because I was going to say two one. I was going to say two one, and if I go for the same score as him, then that. I mean... Well, say say it because if you say two one and it is two one, and Numnuts over there says something different, then we can both be above him in the league and laugh at him, and then everything everybody's happy. Can I can I remind you? It's not about that. It's about trying to predict the correct score, not about how can we bleep over one of the one of our co-presenters. Well, oh, hang just, on a minute. Hang, hang you on a were minute. the one who introduced this, and you're the one who put the level of, uh, of yeah, uh, you, jeopardy yeah, on yeah, this. You're, you're, you're the one. That, I've ordered your one. man new kit, Daz. Ready for you to parade it down Cardiff High Street. So don't, ain't don't. Ever, no, ain't ever gonna happen. Yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> you're the one that wants to parade me walking through the streets of Wrexham singing some song about. Alex Hamilton and getting things thrown at me, so you can. Oh do no, one. I've changed my mind now. What I, your forfeit when you lose is by you've got to change your name by deed poll for a week to Alex Hamilton. Listen, forget all the forfeits <laughs> and everything else, right? Right. I I cannot I cannot lose any kind of football competition to you. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I right. know you've watched. A, I know you've watched a lot of football. <laughs> I know you're older than me. You've got a good knowledge of the game. But I cannot lose anything football related to you. Daz, yeah. what's your prediction for Barrow versus Wrexham? In the interest of good competition, let's go one all. No! Oh, is that what you've got? No, but the fact you've gone for a draw, that, that was that was what that's what my head is telling me to say was a was a one one draw, but I'm I'm going for the win. And I just if it is a draw and you oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Let's like I said, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I'm predicting a Barrow nil Wrexham 2. I think they'll bounce back after the departure of Ben Foster. There will be, you know, some messy bits, but I think they will plug the gaps. They'll be much tighter at the back because they'll feel they really have to put a shift in. And I think they will get the clean sheet this week. So let's wrap those chips to keep them warm. And next into the fryer, it's Bradford City. 
Bradford City AFC were formed in 1903 as a result of meetings held by the sub-editor of the Bradford Observer, James White, as a way to try and break the stranglehold of rugby league in the area at the time. Bradford City went straight into the Football League's second division. They were promoted to the top tier in 1908 and went on to win the FA Cup in 1911. Bradford have bounced around all four tiers over the 120 years of their existence, flirting with dropping out of the Football League in 1963 and 1966, but reaching the Premiership at the turn of the century. Since dropping back into the EFL over the next 10 years, Bradford City slid down to the fourth tier and have yo-yoed between tiers 3 and 4 ever since. Bradford City have played at Valley Parade throughout their existence, even though it was actually built in 1886. It is this link, however, that most football fans relate Bradford City to, as on the 11th of May 1985, a devastating fire broke out in the main stand during a game versus Lincoln City. What was thought to be a discarded cigarette fell through the floor of the stand and set light to years of debris and rubbish under the wooden construction, and within minutes was totally out of control. The game was being shown live on British television and millions witnessed the harrowing scenes as the fire took hold and engulfed the main stand with terrifying speed. 56 people died and it remains one of the worst sporting tragedies in history. Apart from their FA Cup win, Bradford's other achievements include championship winners in 1908, League One winners in 1929 and 1985 and playoff winners in 1996, League Two playoff winners and League Cup runners-up in 2013 with a certain Phil Parkinson at the helm, who managed Bradford City very successfully for five years. Last season, Bradford City finished sixth in League Two with 20 wins, 16 draws and 10 losses, a goal difference of plus 18 and 76 points, earning a playoff place where they played Carlisle United in a two-leg semi-final. Bradford won 1-0 at home but lost 3-1 after extra time away to Carlisle progressing 3-2 on aggregate. Managed by Wales legend and son of Wrexham Mark Hughes since February 2022, in the summer they signed wing-back Clark Adur from Barnsley, defender Ash Taylor from Kilmarnock, midfielder Kevin McDonald from Exeter City, midfielder Alex Patterson from Harrogate Town, forward Tyler Smith from Hull City and defender Lewis Richard from Wolves. On loan comes right-back Daniel Ogoke from Premier League Brentford and out goes forward Abo Aisa to Grimsby Town. Wrexham and Bradford City have met 73 times, with 24 wins, 16 draws and 33 losses. Their last meeting was in January 2008, which finished 1-1. This is a second-round Caribou Cup game, with Bradford drawing away at Accrington Stanley in round one and beating them on penalties 4-1. Bradford are 11-4 to win the tie, with most bookies favouring a one-all draw. And the chips are done. Does Bradford City are a well-known name in the football family. Would you say one of the biggest clubs in this league? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. And and with the manager they've got as well, I mean that's you know that's uh, a lot of experience there that they've got. So you you'd you'd think that that their their pedigree 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 uh, would come through, uh, but um, so far it's not been the case. You know, already losing. Um, to teams that you wouldn't perhaps expect them to. So, um, yeah, I think they, you know, they, they are a name, but uh, whether or not they they stand up to that name these days is um, yet, yet to be seen. Jamie, big match of Phil Parkinson coming up against his old side. Do you think he'll rotate heavily for this game uh, from his usual League 11? Well, I, I think from what we've seen so far this season, I'm not sure what his regular League 11 is. So, um, yes, I think there'll be rotation because 
you know, bottom line is, is that it, it, the game comes, you know, less than three days after after Saturday's game, so that there will be rotation. Um, how, how much I don't know. I think obviously that'll depend on on the injury situation because we have got a few players that are injured. Obviously, there's still that 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 argument or, or the call that there's still players that need minutes, so it's an opportunity to give players minutes and to improve fitness and everything else. But I'd be treating it a little bit like a free hit, you know. I think, um, depending on what happens on Saturday as well, I think it's 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 for me it's another op- competitive opportunity to 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 try and iron out and improve on some of these issues that we've encountered in the first part of the season. Um, you know, would I like to win the game? Of course, I would. I want to win. You know, I'd love to win every game we play. Um, but you, you know, I'd like to, to 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 win the game because obviously, if you win in in this round and get through to the next round, that's when the the, the Premier League teams come into it. So you, you know, there's that excitement as well. We get to see Martin O'Neill talking into the balls again, which is great. Um, <laughs> but I, I I'm seeing it as a little bit of a free hit. I think it's a great opportunity potentially to play. Um, you know, Luke McNicholas in goal. Get you know, get, give him a game. Um, let's see, let's see what he's got. Um, but uh, you know, look, it it, it, it is what it is the, the great thing about these games now is that with it being a home tie, obviously Wrexham are selling out every home game they play. So you know there'll be ten thousand fans there, so it'll be a great atmosphere under the lights. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm looking, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Daz, what can we say about Mark Hughes that hasn't already been said? A great player, almost took Wales all the way to a finals. How do you rate him as a manager? And his thighs, if I remember Ebbs' uh, <laughs> yes. uh, uh, description. Uh, um, I mean, yes, one of the finest pair of thighs that we've ever seen grace the Welsh shirt. But, but I also think... And, you know, and perm. And, oh, and perm. Well, oh, you yeah. Know, Mega you know, perm. But but that you know, I mean, we can we all we all love him for a range of different reasons. From whether it was you know that volley against Spain, or being oh, part, you know, or, or is it being part of that team that nearly, or whether it's the fact that he was the manager that nearly, and you know, there's a lot of things that we all you know we all you know. Of course, he had a fantastic footballing playing career as well, playing for Barcelona. So I just think that you know, there's a lot you can uh, admire him for but that that means nothing at this now at this level now he's got and you know he's you know he's at Bradford and he's got a set of players and you know this is the challenge that he's got to face as well um which of course he did really well you know last year and nearly getting promotion and what have you wasn't he he was in the playoffs um but um yeah no it's you can't you can't underestimate his contribution to Welsh football but uh um, but but it's 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 a different game now. Can I just say, if there are any international listeners listening to this and haven't never seen it, that goal that Daz was just talking about, that Mark Hughes scored, Google Mark Hughes goal versus Spain racecourse and watch that goal over and over again. It's up there for me as one of the best goals I've ever seen at the racecourse. What a goal! What's even more fascinating is we talked. To, you talked to Mark Hughes and he basically said, "Oh, it it, it wasn't meant." He just hit it. He just what hit it because he just he thought, "Oh, I'm just going to get my foot, try and get my foot to it." He was never trying to get into the goal, and yet he just the contact was just absolutely perfect. But that's great play, isn't it, Daz? Yeah, I mean, when you said he didn't try, of course he did. You know, he did though. He tried to get contact on it because he knows where the goal is, and the fact that he is that capable that he managed to get a better contact on it than anyone could possibly imagine, and it just flew. Uh, is you know yes absolutely great player great technique 
uh, great occasion, great result, and uh, great kit. Must, oh, must, yeah. must point out that was one of the best kits. As one well. of the best kits, definitely. Jamie, short this... shorts and everything. Shorts and everything. Short shorts. Jamie, this is a cup game against a, a very strong League Two side. Do you expect it to be quite a tight game, or is it going to be another five all? Um, at this moment in time, trying to predict what what's going to happen in a Wrexham game is is I've got more chance of predicting the lottery numbers. Um, I, I without knowing how seriously they're going to take it either. You know, I I would imagine they're probably going to approach the game in a similar vein to us in that if they've got players, fringe players or players that need minutes, that, that they will rotate and they will play it. You know, hopefully it, it, it will be a good, you know, a, a, another good game of football. Like I say, a midweek game under the lights, it'll be a good game of football, good atmosphere and you know, may the best team win. Um, like I say, hopefully it's uh, it's, it's Wrexham. So, time for the salt, vinegar, and sauce. Koch, Jamie, what's your score prediction for Wrexham versus Bradford City? I'm going to say, I'm going to say, two one to Wrexham again. I think I've said 2-1 every... I think I've said 2-1 for every game. So far. Well, you're going to get one right eventually, then, aren't you? I know, but I was going to go 2-1 as well. And I changed my other result to one all because you went 2-1. Now I... I'll tell, I tell you what, then. I'll tell you what. I'm going to say 3-1. I'm going to be okay. confident okay. to 3-1. I, I'll go 2-1. Daz, what's your prediction for Wrexham versus Bradford City? 2-1. Okay. I'm just typing that into the supercomputer. Hang on a second. Oh, it says no. Supercomputer. It says No. Uh, and I'm predicting Wrexham 1, Bradford 3. I think Phil will use this opportunity to experiment. Bradford will take an advantage. They have a decent amount of firepower, and even though we're at home, I think they'll be too much for us and will knock us out of the cup. So let's wrap those chips to keep them warm. And we'll review those games in next week's pod. Like Ben Foster's career, we bid you all a teary goodbye. From the Eat More Chips podcast, the official podcast of one of the greatest Welsh football supporters' flags ever seen. Holding the hankies, as always, are our two crybabies. Welcome back, Daz. Thank you very much. It's been emotional. And Jamie, stop blubbing. For one last time, Super Ben Foster in goal. If you have enjoyed listening to us, please support the podcast, like, subscribe and leave a comment. You can find us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. You can also go onto our social media, such as Twitter, at TweetMoreChips, Threads, search Eat More Chips Podcast, or drop us an email, eatmorechipspodcast, or one word, at gmail.com. Instagram, Eat More Chips Podcast, and on Facebook, search for the Eat More Chips Podcast group. You can leave us a review if the platform you're listening on lets you do so. And if you have anything particular you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to drop us a line. I've been the man sobbing into a tissue, or at least sounds like sobbing. Welsh Techie, and until next week, come on Cymru and come on the town.